Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mings was going out of his way to make Jordan look like fat Ronaldo before he was fat. <laughs> when... What he actually is, is a fat Wesley. <laughs> Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a love. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Do you know what the most disappointing thing about all this is? It's that I'm not even disappointed anymore. How can you be when the bar is set so low? I don't expect anything from this team anymore and yes, it might seem like two points dropped, but is it really? Like what would Villa do with those two points? It seems like that would just be two points taken off another team who would use them more. Like it doesn't matter now at this stage in Villa's season whether they get one point or three points. The only difference is they're going to come ninth or tenth at the end of the season. They're not going to take those two points and do anything else with it so i actually don't see the point like you know when, when newcastle scored that 94th minute equalizer and it is a bit golden but i realized why does it matter we're not going anywhere look at the state of how we're playing so what if we if we manage to rob newcastle of some points there we're not going to do anything in the next game and the game after that got an email there during the week it was a review of the show from Michael, I'm not going to read his full name, just in case he doesn't want his full name read. I don't think he would care, but just in case. He said, The most negative, depressing, miserable podcast out there. Absolutely fucking brilliant. 10 out of 10. Well, Michael, strap yourself in because this is going to be miserable and negative and depressing because that is exactly what Villa are at the minute. Liam, we've watched a few games recently where it seems like football is shit. It's like a shit sport. And we're often accusing the other teams of stinking the place up. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I'm starting to think that the common denominator here isn't all those other teams. It might just be Aston Villa. Yeah, we were so bad tonight. So bad on the ball. It's hard to explain. 
even the first 20 minutes when we were dominating the ball, it was a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> Every pass, even when under no pressure, was a yard behind the recipient a second too late. We were shite. And yes, Newcastle are really tight, but they are shite. Newcastle had more of the ball, had more dangerous situations, had more aggression, and they even looked like they had more belief than we did tonight. And I think that is the most depressing sentence I've ever constructed. (laughs) Well, I've got a theory on that. I had this saved for a little bit later on top of the show, but I'm going to jump into it now because this is the Barkley factor. I like... You're right. Like it's actually a great spot that that Villa's passes were. They were so careful. The every pass, like like you say, went behind the man rather than in front of them, and that just set the the tempo for Villa and how slow and lethargic they were and how cautious they were. Nobody trying anything yet again in the absence of Grealish, but it's the Berkeley factor. So he gave Newcastle all that belief that you're talking about. I don't think they had any real chances until he came on and his first three touches he gave the ball away three times and it led to three big chances so suddenly Newcastle are feeling good about themselves they've got a side of goal Villa are under pressure they're shitting themselves now because they've got the Berkeley factor in, in, in amongst things anything can happen and literally it can happen in any way because it, it gave the ball away three times like I said but the first time it was running into traffic the old classic Berkeley move like just not seeing or not expecting players to be on a football pitch around him in the middle of the pitch. Then it's a bad touch. Then it's another bad pass. Just setting somebody away. And Newcastle, suddenly their tails are up and Villa are starting to panic. What a fucking arsehole. Ross Barkley can fuck right off. I am (laughs) done with him. Tear up the contract. Send him back to Tuchel. Give him a good laugh. At least somebody will enjoy it. Imagine (laughs) Tuchel getting his hands on him. The, the first time I noticed Barkley, apart from running into three or four Newcastle players, was when he played a 30-yard back pass blind straight to, who was it, Dwight Gale. What? And that that led to Newcastle hitting the fucking crossbar. Like, Jesus Christ, son, grow up. He, he played the pass, and it was, he's so brain dead. He started peeling away back up the pitch. He didn't even realize it went Went to a Newcastle player. He actually turned to go forward before he realised, oh, fuck, I fucked up again. How can this be a surprise to you still? You do it every fucking time you're on a football pitch. And that's it. How can that be a habit? Like, why is he making a habit of playing through balls to opposition players? <laughs> Perfectly weighted balls right down the throat of Aston Villa's defence. And, they could, yeah, that one hit the crossbar. The other two, there were the two beforehand. They led to chances in the box as well. Like Newcastle, fair enough. It was probably very similar to what Villa were doing, but they weren't. They weren't penetrating in any way until until Barkley came on. They must have been fucking delighted when they saw him coming on. And again, it just it just means that anything can happen because he is trying his hardest. Well, like, was that the worst, the worst substitution of all time? Based on. The outcome and all the evidence he had leading up to that to make the decision, I think so. And you put those two things together. I mean, he took a huge risk and it was based on knowing that Ross Barkley is shit at football. <laughs> what, like, what did he think? Why did he think something different was going to happen? Is it because Ross Barkley was good for Chelsea three years ago? 
Is that is that what we're all clinging to here? Is that what we're making our decisions on? Ross Barkley is finished. Forget about Ross Barkley. He's absolutely useless. He's been terrible for Villa for games, months. He had a couple of good games at the start, but that died immediately. I think I'm a little bit guilty of it as well, though, because once I'm once again. I'm crying out for changes and actually I was happy tonight that Smith was acting a lot quicker and he, he acted at the right times and I thought that Trezeguet did need to come off because I don't know what he was doing really and, and probably trying too hard was his biggest flaw and I, I was I wasn't unhappy to see Barkley coming on but after 10 minutes again I don't know how many times I need to see this but after 10 minutes, I'm thinking, ah, fuck. And the thing is, I'd say some people might recall Barkley a bit fondly because three times then later in the match, he, he ran through the middle. But he's running through, right? And he looks powerful, but there's actually no real drive there. Like, he, he's not... There's no purpose to what he's doing, and he's actually slow in his decision-making. Just, just like you know, when he ran into trouble initially. Like, why did you not just put Watkins away down the right? He just keeps running with it, and he runs with it until he gets up to the days of the box, and then starts very slowly deciding what to do. It's it's, it's weird, like how he, um, like like that chance for Watkins, which was offside, which was really annoying. Watkins knew it was offside the whole way up the pitch, so he actually wanted to just stop playing, but you know, they kept giving it back to him. And this was like a three on two, a three on one and a half, basically because of the positioning of one of the Newcastle defenders, and Barkley's body language has taken out one of the Villa players, I think it's El Ghazi to his left so he's very clearly going to give it to Watkins the whole time and he does it too slow, he still makes it because the Newcastle defending's bad but I just thought that was an insight into I don't know if you can call it a lack of confidence now at the minute just a lack of incision that this boy has. He's a big lumbering ball of indecision and you're saying you you were happy to have changes being made but you don't just suddenly turn it on. You don't go from what Ross Barkley has given us in the last couple of games to coming on and turning a game against a really tight, awkward Newcastle team. That doesn't happen. I mean, grow up, Dean Smith. Why are you bringing Ross Barkley on there? He is not going to change this game. He is not your man. Have another look at the bench. And if Ross Barkley is the only one there, fucking forget about it. Give Trezeguet some better instructions. Tell him to stop sprinting back towards Elmo whenever he's got the ball. Tell him to calm down. The answer isn't to bring on Ross Barkley. And you're right, Trezeguet was shite tonight. Tried his heart out again. He's not good enough. But Ross Barkley isn't going to be any better. And he's going to cause you a lot more trouble. And typically the goal came from just a cross. But it, <laughs> the finish was a deflection and it went in and it was like, Christ, it, it genuinely did. You know, I was obviously happy, but it felt like we were getting away with murder here. We were getting out of Newcastle, a place that you should be winning and getting away with three points. Like what you should be taking, obviously, but doing it so unfairly, basically. You know, and like that summed it up. Like did it had to just be a cross. There was a, there was a cross, I think, 10 minutes before that. And it, it dropped to maybe Sanson's feet and it was being blocked down, but I was like, okay, just just get it in the mixer because <laughs> that's all we're going to do. We need to hope that the ball drops somewhere. And it did. It, well, Watkins obviously did well, but it deflected in. And, you know, 
again, as I said, without Grealish, you're looking at your best chance just being a bit of luck. Uh, like it's a shite underhead cross. It's a shite header. And then as an Ireland fan, having been fucked over by Kieran Clark enough times down the years, it was <laughs> nice of him to finally do something good for me. <laughs> the header's going wide. He's, he's, he's not got enough on it. And yeah, it's just like a, an absolutely disgusting moment that was momentarily a bright spot in a disgusting evening. And then the conceded goal comes from a cross, of course. <laughs> uh, initially an overhead cross that goes over everyone and we wait for 15 seconds for the Newcastle player to go retrieve it. McGinn is looking at him, going out to get the ball and turning around. And then it's swung in and climbs on top of Douglas Louise, who is now lying on the ground like a loser as the ball goes into the net. And Just a sight, I thought, that epitomized that Villa performance. You know, just a Newcastle player throwing someone to the turf and getting the equaliser that they deserved. Yeah, like I, I, I didn't, I didn't have any big problems with a goal. It was the lead up to the goal, the the missed, the missed opportunities, the farting around on the ball whenever we'd gone a goal up. I mean, it's a good cross, and yeah, Lachelle's is against Douglas Louise. He's gonna throw him around. Like I don't really have any problem with that. That's just what happens whenever a cross gets swung in after. A set piece breaks down. The big man's still up there, and yeah, he heads it incredibly well to go past Martinez. It's it's a fine goal, but yeah, fuck that. Fuck that is right. Um, I think you texted me saying, "What the fuck are we going to talk about?" Because yet again, it was another grim match. But even I wanted to come on here when I thought Villa were going to win, and just just warn that this is not good. We've been watching this now for months. Bad performances, the odd, good, disciplined, you know, heart-filled, well-structured performance, getting some good results, but mostly, largely, it's been pants. Like, that, that, (laughs) I think I texted you the other day saying, fuck off, because you were plaguing my WhatsApp with images of, like, Villa's first half of the season and the results, the form table, compared to the, the second half so far, and it's night and day and that's exactly what Villa are it's, it's not a fluke like it's not like they're just not getting results now they're they're very bad and and I would not have been any more happy tonight even if they got the extra two points because it's just not going well I, like I've given up in Europe I think we all can and I think we might as well just get into WhatsApp winges unless you want to add anything to that before we go oh, fuck that let's just get into the winges let's just fucking do it we should just call this whole podcast WhatsApp Winges. Uh, first one. Why are you fucking struggling with Jolington? This is... This is so bizarre. I mean, Mings was going out of his way to make Jolington look like fat Ronaldo before he was fat. <laughs> when what he actually is is a fat Wesley. And <laughs> Jolington is a player with three Premier League goals and 60 appearances. And he was running a muck out there. <laughs> and a worrying sign early on and a clear indication of what was going to happen. Like Newcastle weren't interested in any subtlety. It was hit it long and hit it fucking early and hope that Jolinton can make a nuisance of himself. And Jesus Christ, how the fuck did that work out for them? Like that was 
Unbelievable. He had Mings on toast <laughs> all night long. This this guy was starting for England. Jolington. Yeah. Unbelievable. The first 10 minutes, he created two chances. <laughs> Frazier strike. Well, it went straight into Martinez's stomach, but it was still because Mings was worried about Jolington. Like, so this is it, right? I actually don't think Mings was that bad tonight in the in the grand scheme of the game because Jolington wasn't affecting the game because it's Jolington and Mings was getting bogged down in this battle. Like we we need to think bigger as a football club than Tyrone Mings having verbals and personal duels with Jolington all night and like he I'm saying he didn't play that bad like he, he wasn't amazing either because as you say Jolington got the better of him in a lot of those exchanges there was one moment early on did you see it like Ming's headbutted him in the chest because <laughs> Jolington I've never seen somebody so flat-footed because Jolington shifted to the left before going right and and Ming's just ended up falling forward and and Sort of headbutting him with the crown, like I said, and headbutt, I suppose. And Jolington fell over and won the free. But what are you like? Why are you even wasting your time out here and and with all these these confrontations that you're having? Like, be be better. Like, let's let's think bigger, Tyrone. Like he was saved by Konza after 13 minutes when Jolington was throwing him around like a rag doll out in the wing as well. His booking was incredible. He could have been sent off for that. He had two yellow card tackles in the yeah. one. In the one move. I mean, it's fucking Jolington, Tyrone. Get a grip. And the, the weirdest thing about this was he started man marking him. Yeah. He started following him around the pitch. Jolington's going back into right back. Let him go there. It's fine. Maybe we might want to try to exploit this in a second. Why are you wandering up the pitch after fucking Jolington? <laughs> Do you know what the depressing thing is? It, it, it was similar. This is such a sad comparison. Do you remember when Liverpool beat Barcelona in that semi-final 4-0 and Robertson grabbed Messi's head when he was on the ground and a few of them were having, you know, bites at Messi off the ball and bites at Suarez and having words with him? Like, that's what it was like. Like, this is the the Villa comparison, Tyrone Mings and Jolington going at it. Like, do you remember when Jolington just played a an unoffensive pass, got rid of the ball and... Suddenly the camera's panning back and it's a free kick and it's like what? And Mings has just tripped him. It's like, what, what are you doing? Like, like it's lucky that Gareth Southgate wasn't in the stands tonight because I'd say he would have gone away thinking, Jesus, like, you know, <laughs> if this is what this boy's worried about, I can forget about it. But like even the first one, Newcastle weren't they weren't trying to use Jones and he was just up there, so they were just. <laughs> They were just playing it up, hoping he can make a nuisance of himself and hoping that Dwight Gale can get in around him and make a nuisance of himself. And it worked initially. But All right, they were helped out immeasurably by Elmo going for his customary in-game nap. <laughs> but like, right, just relax. Why Just let him take it down for a start even. Let's see if he can manage that. It'll probably just bounce off him and go to Dougie. Don't get involved. <laughs> Christ almighty. I, I'm actually annoying myself more now because we've spoken about Jolington for four and a half minutes. <laughs> this is the depth that Tyrone Mings has dragged us into tonight. And we can all do without it. So next WhatsApp winch. Well, don't just stand there crying about it. Get back. 
<laughs> what what fucking shit storm is this? Ross fucking Barkley. Like uh, I, I I almost for a millisecond felt sorry for him because you know he tried to make that run. It was the first time he got the ball, and he tried to run and just you know, ran into trouble. Somebody just took the ball off him, and Newcastle went back, and you could see that he was so annoyed. And I, I, for that little fraction of time, my heart did go out to him, and then I realized he's the closest person to the action. He has lost the ball, and he has spent. Four seconds turning around, throwing his hands up in the air, punching his fists together. Yeah. Whilst the play is developing down the pitch, get back, you loser. Yeah, taking himself further away from the play as well, wandering off further up the pitch and yeah. further to the sideline to have a little fucking whinge. The worst thing about that was as well, I initially thought it was a really good tackle. Ross Barkley's angle of run, he has to see the guy coming. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to see him. His touch is terrible. He has no awareness of what's going on in the pitch around him. He was running fucking nowhere. He was running at an angle out towards Dean Smith. Fucking turn left there, pal. Go for the juggler. Go down the middle. El Ghazi and Watkins have gone the other side. Where the fuck are you going? And if you go wherever you're going, at least know who's going with you. Because there's a fucking Newcastle defender coming steaming back. Yeah. <sighs> Less said about that, the better. Third WhatsApp whinge. John McGinn trying to keep the ball in the corner with five minutes left to go. Fucking relegate us. <laughs> uh, like, and I, I mentioned this whenever you were talking about the goal. Like, this was the most frustrating thing. John McGinn tries to arse out the last five minutes of the game at the corner flag. I mean... Never mind the fact that he immediately loses the yeah, ball. he got a second out of that. <laughs> You've just gone 1-0 up against fucking Newcastle United. Yeah. Just play the ball around. Try to score from corner kicks. Just beat Newcastle. Villa seemingly created a chance every time they didn't freak out. Like, it's not hard. People do say, you know, the Newcastle are are tightly set up. They're not. They're just all back. They're back, but they're all there to be rinsed. If you if you just look, or if you, once again, we come back to, the, you know, just not using your striker as well. Like, it seemed like if you, if they were willing to play Watkins through, he would, he would get through and probably miss, but he was getting through. Like, we don't need Mings. It's like one of our midfielders as well, just standing in the corner, losing the ball, and then Newcastle coming up the pitch, and now one of our midfielders is gone. Like, Total lack of ambition and sets the tone for the next five minutes. Then where you're just you're scared, like you know you've you've given them the precedent, you've given up trying to do anything else. You, you can just win that match. You can put it to bit. You can keep the ball as well. Like yeah. even if Newcastle's keeper wins that like wins that corner, what's he going to do? He's going to kick it up to Julington. Like, yeah. and then what? Like obviously, yeah, he'll probably win it off Mings. <laughs> so that's a bad example. But like you can get the ball back and then just pass it around or create another chance. There, there's better ways to keep possession than to get somebody to stand in the corner flag and use their arse <laughs> pass the fucking ball around. I mean, if that was a good way of keeping possession, teams would be doing that from the minute they went 1-0 up. Yeah. You wouldn't just fucking wander into the corner flag and start arsing up against a Newcastle player. Why the fuck would you do that? Just pass it around. And the other thing about that is, Newcastle are shite 
and they're now 1-0 down and they're going to get relegated. They're going to be running around like fucking maniacs. Yeah. So there's going to be loads of space if you just have the courage to pass the ball around them. They're going to be a scrambled mess. Don't give them the impetus. Don't show them that you're hanging on all of a sudden. You're supposed to be this team that people are talking about, even though they've been ninth all fucking season, it seems. You're supposed to be the team that's the big boys here. Why are you letting them see that you're shite and afraid? I actually did have a thought after the match. At, at the celebrations and, and glee in Newcastle, now, I know they, they scored a, a very late equaliser, and that, that is good, you know, in any circumstance, but it's like, all right, lads, like, you know, this is... This isn't going like you think it is. At the minute, you are getting relegated. You need to do a lot better than this. This is fucking Villa. Everybody's getting points off them. Sheffield United are getting fucking three points off them. You know, it just seemed a bit uh, a bit premature. I don't know if premature is the right word, but just a bit over the top from Newcastle for getting a point in a game that they should have won as well. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle have picked up nearly twice as many points in the first 14 of the 28 games that they've played this season. And they have two wins from their 14 games since Christmas. And those stats are padded by getting to play Southampton three or four days after they got spanked 9-0 by Man United. And by beating Everton, a side who are providing admirable competition to Villa and Leeds in the the Norman Bates, am I a murderous old woman or a shy young man award category? <laughs> like Callum Wilson scored eight of his 10 goals before Christmas and he's now injured anyway. St. Maximum is injured. Almiron is injured. Steve Bruce is injured between the ears. <laughs> Newcastle are fucked. And if you start well against them, if you don't just start arsing the ball around in the corner flag, they will fold. They'll fold faster than Superman on laundry day. Just don't give them that fucking opportunity. <laughs> it's grim reading. Like, this, um six games, one win. You know, draw with Brighton, lost to Leicester, beat Leeds, lost to Sheffield United, draw with Wolves, lost to Drew with Newcastle. Like, it's, it's not great. Like, you're throwing in three of the bottom four, five, three of the bottom five into those last six games. Like, and you've won one game, none against any of those three. It's going to get harder from here on in. And <laughs> We haven't played Spurs yet. We're playing them next. We still have to play them twice. And they've got their fucking form back. Of course they have. And where's this Liverpool game when they're crying out to be beaten again? Like, give give me that fixture right now. <laughs> uh, this is a longer WhatsApp winch. This Villa team... Without Grealish would be a really good mid-table side, but because they play with him so often, they're so much worse because of it. <laughs> you know, like obviously they're a way better team because of it when Grealish is playing, but they just they just rely on them too heavily. Like it just happens in a lot of teams when somebody's that good, other people become worse players because you just get used to it and you get like well, we've been talking about this for five years. Like someone is simple, it's not simple at all. As Jack Grealish drawn three men to him, like <laughs> automatically there's three men now not in position or picking up somebody. Like that frees up other people, it gives them more time and space, gives them more options, and and Villa just don't have that anymore. And even they don't have the luxury of thinking, ah, Gran, Grealish is on the ball, he'll do something with that. 
you know, we can all stop and he'll still force somebody into a chance. Like, you now you just have a bunch of chumps passing the ball around the outside, nobody going anywhere. Yeah, which is, and maybe he was more injured than he seemed whenever he came on, but I just think that made the decision not to play El Ghazi all the more baffling. I mean, you're playing against Newcastle, you know what you're going to be getting from them. You're going to be getting them dug in at the edge of their own box and at least running hard. You need people who can do something on the ball. I mean, it, it wasn't the game for Trezeguet tonight. We needed to start that game with players on the pitch that were willing to try something. And El Ghazi came on. I think the first thing he did was just, he had a shot from the edge of the box. He stepped inside and he drilled our first shot on target almost immediately. And I didn't think El Ghazi was too bad when he got on. It was a tough game for him because nobody else was playing. But I just thought it was a really weird decision not to play him, especially in the absence of Jack Grealish. Do you know that the players do not like El Ghazi's incessant shooting? I've seen it. Like He came on, had that shot, and that's an actually... That shot was there to be taken, and you wanted him to take that shot. And both McGinn and Watkins turned away their hands up, you know, thinking, here we go again, this guy. <laughs> and it happened the very next shot as well, which was a, uh, you know, a lesser percentage shot, lower percentage shot. And it just seemed like, yeah, this was validating. <laughs> again, this is me looking in, but it was validating their frustrations with him that just this guy who just wants to shoot every time he gets the ball and therefore ruins the attacks. Yeah, but Ghazi came onto the pitch and all of a sudden we had somebody who wanted to do something with the ball. I mean, it was absolutely needed, but there are some players who are just absolutely lightning rods for that. I mean, there's players who are as greedy as El Ghazi without a shadow of a doubt in the Villa squad as well. Like John McGinn shoots on sight. Yeah. And, and so does El Ghazi. And that, that's fine if the shot is there to be taken, but there's some players who just carry that perception and it's just a little bit more annoying whenever they do it. And maybe it's just the way he carries himself in training. Maybe it's his personality. Maybe he is arrogant. And to be honest, he doesn't score enough goals maybe to justify <laughs> how often he shoots. Yeah, it's not December anymore, mate. <laughs> We're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. Last WhatsApp one. No team in the history of sport is as cautious with injuries as Villa. Yeah, I... It is getting to the point now where it's just, just tell me, Dean, just tell me when he's back. Let's stop fucking dicking around here. Let's stop leading us up the garden path or we're hoping for the next game. Tell me tonight when Jack Grealish is going to be back on the football pitch. Yeah. Because I can't face the next nine days thinking about playing Spurs without knowing if Jack Grealish is going to be there to take advantage of whichever of those two moronic right-backs Jose Mourinho picks. <laughs> but this is um, this is bigger than Jack Grealish. Like, even Matt Cash tonight on the bench, I'm like, I know he's just back from injury, but like, what happened to the old adage, fit for the bench, you're fit to play? And, by the way, like, we're, we're running out of time. Like, so... What's the idea of phasing these players back? Wesley's another one. Like, Wesley's back in training. But now he needs to play some under-23 games. Is he back or not? Like, we need them back. The season is, is like, long since petered out to a halt. 
Like we we need to do something. There there's no point in trying to get these players up to a hundred percent. Like you know, if if you think the risk is that they might get injured, it just like it doesn't matter. We're losing all these games now, so we might as well get them in. Like they're they're not playing now, and <laughs> and and you're <laughs> and you're prolonging it on some notion that they might get injured. They might. Anybody might get injured. But like, get them back in. If Cash is ready for the bench, get him in. If Wesley is ready for an under-23 game, get him in. We do not need Cash, Engels, and Neil Taylor on the fucking bench. We don't need two fullbacks. Especially when you've got Trezeguet, who I'm sure could just fill in at fullback. <laughs> you know, you've got Nakamba. Like, it's not going to come to that. You have a fullback there. Get, get, get that other option on, especially when... Somebody like me is happy to see Barkley coming onto the pitch. We, we we need some other choices. Yeah, and and Elmo was exposed again defensively tonight as well. But look, Matt Cash has a hamstring injury. Yeah, fit for the bench, fit for the pitch. Yeah, fine. We like when we saw that that was probably true of El Ghazi. You're just gonna have to trust him. That like, what is the point of bringing on an eighty percent fit Wesley? I mean, I could, I could have taken out two of those words there, and it was eighty and percent. What is the point of bringing on Wesley? What? <laughs> what? Why are why are people why have people romanticized Wesley so much? Because it's, your stock goes up when you're not playing and when things are going bad on the pitch, and it's not like yeah, I'm not I'm not even pining for Wesley. Who, by the way, and this is probably a big reason for it was. Really good in his very last game <laughs> against Burnley, which is well over. I think it was January for fuck's sake, so thirteen months ago, fourteen months ago. But um, it's it's what Wesley represents. It's this slow phase return of of players. Like you know, I I don't want Grealish to do himself any more damage. But he was saying after the Wolves match last week, if I get onto the grass, I'm I am playing that match. Now, apparently he got sick during the week, but, you know, if he's not sick tonight, like, get him back. It's fucking Jack Grealish. We need to start taking that risk. Like, after a while, it pays off. Like, you know, it makes sense to, to go for it rather than just always being cautious. The season's going to be over soon. Yeah, but sure, you, you've already been so fatalistic about it. You said we're finishing 9 for 10th. Maybe maybe Dean Smith has made that judgment as well and he's not going to dick around with his with his gem. He's not going to rush him back. We should be beating fucking Newcastle without Jack Grealish. <laughs> we don't need to risk Jack Grealish. Yeah, well, it gets harder when you're not going to bring in Wesley as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a long WhatsApp win, so let's get into giving out some awards. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. And the lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real... He's, like if you, he's uh, an uh, unlikable character. Like, what if he's put on a foot? Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not... It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not any game. Somebody put on a foot there. 
I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it, though, as well. Looks like, oh, not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're we're well coached. Um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Bromley accents, though. Really (laughs) go through you, don't they? Only one place to start. The Paul Lambert, I'm delighted with our performance. I am fed up with this shit award. El Ghazi's inability to play the ball onto Matt Target's run. <laughs> what, like, what an awful trait to have. He just cannot get that weight direction purchase right. He always balls it up. He always hits it too hard and hits it too sharply in towards his left. So Target either has to check his run, slow down, come back when he's over the top of the ball, or just try and hook one from out underneath his body. Because El Ghazi just can't play the ball in front of him. You know, where often he'll play it too far away from him, where it's right beside the fullback and target will get blocked down and the best outcome is a is a corner. Just like it's such a simple thing. Your your left winger is driving inside diagonally, your fullback is overlapped, he's got space, put it in front and let him whip it in with that good left foot that he has. And El Ghazi struggles to do it all the time. I, I am surprised you're able to pick El Ghazi out from the people who were guilty of misplaying passes tonight. But <laughs> you know exactly what El Ghazi's trying to do there. He's trying to manufacture a situation where Target has to give him back the ball so he can have <laughs> yet another speculative shite that John McGinn's going to be pissed off about. Is that what he was doing with his shit clearance towards the end to put us under more pressure? Like that was a Bertrand Ferrari. Like Bertie T is alive and well trying to clear the ball. This happened before as well whenever he came on for Bertie T. I mean, <laughs> Christ almighty, that guy is haunting the Aston Villa wingers in a defensive <laughs> setup. <laughs> Second nomination Douglas Louise kicking first time passes out for a throw in. <laughs> Why is this? come into our Brazilian centre midfielder's game you know the ball comes back to him he tries to curl it out to target El Ghazi and it just flies out for a throw in puts his hand up almost like the abuse that Thiago's been getting you know he's he made a few bad passes and he's giving people thumbs up and everyone's like fuck off yeah. you know just do it better yeah, he's putting his hands up as if to say to everybody you know what I was trying to do there we don't <laughs> we don't know what our ball playing centre midfielder was trying to do there that he got so wrong. <laughs> I've got another El Ghazi one here, so let's get back to him. El Ghazi giving the referee a signal of, ooh, that was tight every time he fucking fouled somebody, which is <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I mean, add not being able to tackle to the list of horrendous traits that our wingers have, and they've all got it. They're all guilty of it. 
They just cannot time a tackle. And it's always so needless as well. Like, what do you want? You want Paul Dummett running back towards his own goal? <laughs> just let him do it. He's going to panic. He's going to give you the ball any second now. Don't foil him. It's yep. so fucking pointless and counterproductive. It's Paul Dummett. Do you know what the best example was? Do you see the one with Trezeguet down in the right corner, the right wing corner? In the first half, it might have been, and uh, and it was the most unnecessary throw-in to give away. It was going out for a for a goal kick, and the Newcastle fullback just shit himself and just took the decision to kick it out for a throw-in. And Trezeguet was like, "Great, do you know? Like that's that's what these guys do. Like you say, they're panicking. They don't want to be in that situation. Just just don't fuck them. Like the worst that will happen is they go out for a goal kick, and you're in a better position. They're in a worse position." That wasn't uh that wasn't a fullback, that was our old friend Kieran Clark. <laughs> of course it was. Of course it was. Four phone floating balls to the fullback's heads. <laughs> Again, like why has this crept into the game? This is more of a structural thing or a systematic thing. Like it, it happens with Emmy Martinez a lot, but it's it's <laughs> a lot of people are trying it now, the centre midfielders and the centre backs are just <laughs> I was going to say pinging they're definitely not pinged they're just lofting these balls up for Elmo and Matt Target to try and keep in play and like, what are they going to do with their heads as they're jumping on the sideline like what, what what is the tactic there they're just going to try and keep it in play and that's it they're going to lose possession that's what they're going to do and it's like you know if you're playing the pass to somebody who's in a worse position than you who's going to be under more pressure than you are don't play the pass Play it to somebody else. Dinking the ball out to Matt Target's head while he's getting closed down by two Newcastle players isn't a good ball. Don't play it. That absolutely perfectly leads us into the last one. Well done. Players passing it to someone who they know will just have to clear it anyway. <laughs> I, I I just hate this in all forms of football. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know that this has to go. So you're just taking a risk of introducing another pass, another element. Somebody might be sleeping. They might not be expecting it because why would they? The situation is clear. This ball needs to go. And you're just rolling with somebody else to do that. What are you doing? Yeah, and this this is a sign of a really bad footballer. I mean, you have to understand what the person you're giving the ball to can do with it. And you have to you have to decide whether or not it's it's the right thing to do. Then before you play it, this should all be very intuitive to a professional footballer. And if it's he's just going to have to clear it, then you have to move again and get into a better position. You can't just give the ball to somebody and then let him hook it clear. If that's what he has to do, maybe don't give it. If that's what he has to do, run into a better position yeah. to get it back off him. Dig your teammate out because you've put him into the fucking hole in the first place. <laughs> I just don't get it. If he has to clear it, you just clear it. Cut out all that nonsense. You know, ideally you won't clear it. But don't just give it to somebody else who has to do the exact same thing. Like you're both in as bad a position as the other. Like it's almost like you're trying to sink him. Nobody has to be sunk. Just get rid of the ball. (laughs) We'll all move on with our lives. We'll all swim together. (laughs) I've got El Ghazi's inability to pass the target's run as the winner of this. It's, It's just... It's just too simple a pass and it happens too often. I don't even remember what the award category is. Yeah. 
<laughs> give it give it to Al Ghazi. He's not gonna win anything else in his fucking career. <laughs> the Vyman meter. I don't have anybody going up. Of course you don't. <laughs> no. Um one person going down, well there's a lot of people going down, but this is a he's got he's, he's won the award, there's no other nominations. He's won the Ashley Westwood, oh he was playing award. Little Jacob Ramsey. I know he's nineteen. I know he's shown that he can be good. He's got a good attitude. Probably will be a good player in the long run, but you know, the standard is set. Like you need to need to start hitting it now. You've been given a lot of chances. You're playing ahead of a lot of players. Like you were picked, like brought in again tonight, ahead of Sanson this time, not ahead of Barkley. Ahead of ahead of both of them. And like, just the game is just passing him by, and he for somebody who. It's so tidy on the ball. It's it's clear that he is, and he can sort of do what he wants. He, he he can manipulate situations like that's that's the sort of skill level he has and the agility that he has. But he's panicking. He got the ball a couple of times. He's playing on the left of a three, and he got the ball a couple of times on the left hand side in an attacking position, and just he just kicked the ball in with his left foot into you know he knew nothing was on. But he sort of just thought, I better get rid of this now. Instead of checking back out or trying to find somebody or just like thinking, well, there's nothing on. I'll go back. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Mings or whoever. Like, you know, j- j- just a bit rash and a bit trigger happy. And and these are like very brief moments that I can remember him doing something. Like, I just think for somebody who's been picked ahead of all these big players, big signings in the middle of Villa's midfield, can't be letting the game pass him by like he has been. Well... Yeah, let's stop pretending that it's a big deal that he's picked ahead of Ross Barkley. I mean, I think we've we've put that to bed a couple of months ago. I would I would pick Ramsey ahead of Barkley every day of the week, no matter no matter if he plays like tonight in every game for the rest of the season, because he's still playing better than Ross Barkley. So that's that's we don't need to say that picked ahead of big names. Ross Barkley is a dead name. <laughs> Ramsey's. Ramsey started the game badly, and I think I think that affected him. But I I can understand why he started the game badly, because Villa were a mess. He was a part of it as well, but Villa were a mess. And think about the players he was playing with as well. I mean, he had Trezeguet in front of him, who was just running around like a Duracell bunny. I mean, that is not what we want, and it's not what we want. In a Dean Smith setup either. It's definitely not what we need. So we had nobody to play with that side of him. Target was just sitting back for some reason for much of the first 10, 15 minutes. McGinn was so erratic, so fucking erratic. He was kicking balls out of play like it was going out of fashion. Yeah. He was falling on top of the ball. He was slipping. He was sliding. He was overhitting, underhitting passes. He was a mess. So like I I have like he had nobody read Ollie Watkins was getting swallowed up by three players and I think the bad start affected affected Jacob Ramsey's performance overall. That's fair. You mentioned again, yeah, like he actually got lucky a couple of times and then got punished a couple of times. You know that that free he tries to win where he's falling down over the top of the ball. You know, like, stop that, stop that risk. Like we every time McGinn loses the ball, like this is a fact. Well, it's not. <laughs> it's not like somebody in a bar now. This is a fact now. Are you listening? 
he's on the ground like more often than not. Like again, he's one of your midfielders. He can't be on the ground losing the ball, looking up at the ref. Um, as Douglas Louise going down as well. Just I want more of him. I want that elite Douglas Louise that we talked about so so fondly, so highly of, and at the start of the season, first half of the season. Do you know what like he? He can be a great anchor. He can be a great player. He, I don't think he's either at the minute. No, like Douglas Louis was incredible after lockdown. He was, apart from Grealish, he was Villa's best player. And the start of this season, yeah, he was he was maintaining those standards. And he ha- he has badly gone off the boil. And I thought it was strange whenever he was dropped for Nakamba a couple of times. It wouldn't take a long time, listener of the show, to figure that out. But I'm starting to understand it because he's not, he's not giving us the things that... I would lambast Nakamba for not having. He, he's not performing. You know, is he any better on the ball than Nakamba when he's just floating it over mm. our fullback's heads? When he's just whipping balls out to the corner flag? Is is that better? I don't know if it is. Uh, like that's sort of what I'm thinking. Like that's why I have him down. You know, McGinn can go down as well. But I wanted to talk about Douglas Louise because. I have that image as well of Nakamba. Like the thing that frustrated me about Nakamba was his carelessness in the ball. Like he didn't seem to care that he was giving the ball away so often and in such simple situations. But I, I, I don't know what Louise is bringing that's any better than that at at the minute. Like if we know we can bring far more, his crossing as well, by the way, has been shambolic. Like every time he crosses the ball now, it either goes out for a throw or a goal kick. Always, always overhitting it, trying to whip it into the back post where he might have got joy twice last season. There's nobody in there and he's still trying to hit that spot. Yeah, he's obviously listening to to commentators too much whenever they say, oh, that's a great ball in. Said, there's nobody there. Yeah. There's, no, there's literally nothing worse than he could have done there. He just kicked the ball away. It's not a great ball in. I've got two more uh, going down that I want to talk about anyway. El Ghazi. Um, that, like, that chance towards the end it was incredible like you know Barkley's I think it was Barkley sets him up and he just hits it straight at the keeper like that has to be a goal somebody who fancies himself as a goal scorer to put that away and then like you know I saw I saw a screenshot going around of the Villa setup with 38 seconds left to play and the balls come to El Ghazi days the box Sanson's right beside him there's five Newcastle players in the Villa box there's one just outside it you know, Villa are in a great position now to just see that game out. And, you know, Gazi tries to clear it very poorly and, and Newcastle come back down. It felt to me, and I mentioned his pass to his passes to target, it felt to me that, like, everything he did, it was just in the way of things. And actually, I thought he was going to go down injured. He, he signaled, signaled to go off, which is another, another reason why he's going down here. He signaled to go off and then didn't go off. Like, what, are you injured or not? Why were you saying you have to come off? Like, I... I don't like that. Somebody saying they have to come off, and obviously they don't. Um, yeah, and I, I at that stage I was thinking this wouldn't be a bad thing to get him get him out of dodge. I think it was nil nil, and I thought maybe I'd have to accept nil nil. But I was thinking, do you know what? Are we any better off going to score with this guy? Yeah, he was reaching for the game too much. I think that's I think that's fair enough. And that finish was absolutely atrocious. I think the worst thing about it was that. He spent so long getting his body shape right so that he could put it into the far corner. And then he just hit it straight at the keeper. 
he just got too much of his foot around the ball because he was desperate to try and bend it in and he just hit it off his ankle into the keeper's stomach it was pathetic because he spent about two seconds trying to line it up and then the defender was very easily able to block it off the one where he's just he tries to play a first time touch from a dropping ball to Sanson is is unforgivable I mean you have to be clinical in that situation I think it's fine to try that but Jesus Christ mate does that have to work yeah play that ball to Sanson it's not difficult either so like I'm not it's fine to play that as if it's as if it's a difficult thing to do just play the ball to Sanson or take a touch you know just see the game out you don't be dicking around there and he plays it, and again, it's similar to Ross Barkley, where he plays that pass, and he goes to peel away, not realizing that he's completely fucked it up. Yeah, it's like at least react as well. Get out there, get out to the man you've given the ball to, because it's not Sanson. <laughs> Ollie Watkins, like you know, you might think it's harsh, but his standards are so high, and I don't think that was anywhere near a, a par performance from him. You know, yeah, you said he got bottled up. He did. Lost the ball a few times when he wasn't bottled up, which is unlike him. Yeah, just not his best day at the office for somebody who's at the seating of this category. Yeah, I think he's high enough. He can take a hit. Um, He he wasn't wasn't good tonight. Really... It's whenever a team is playing bad, it is always difficult to, to see how badly he is playing, but... Yeah, like he was, he was making bad decisions, and I did feel sorry for him as well. Though on top of that, because he was just, he was on his own against. There was far too much of a gap between him and the midfield. Yeah, how did that keep developing? And clearing the ball away whenever there's sixty yards between Ramsey McGinn and fucking Ollie Watkins. Don't you don't play that ball up to Watkins? What is the fucking point of that? And you're essentially asking Ollie Watkins to score the goal of the season. Is that the right thing to do? Tyrone, is it? Maybe you should play it into one of your midfielders who are right beside you. Instead of just lofting her up there and saying, let's go, Ollie. You control that in your chest, run past those three centre halves and slot that in the net from the halfway line. <laughs> it's all on you, pal. And also, it's like, what is the point of Mings and Konza standing in the six-yard box for goal kicks? They're never used. You know, like a team pushes up a little bit and we don't play it to them. And actually, it seems like a very simple out. You play it to Mings, target's free, you play it to him. You know, see what happens. But Villa never have that bravery to play it. I don't understand why they're standing there. And <laughs> it, it, like, it's obviously deliberate, but that that is feeding into that big gap then as well. It's, the, the players are too far apart. It Like it reminds you of Ireland a lot of the time. And that's, that's the worst thing I can say about... <laughs> about Villa at the minute just the gap between Watkins and the rest of the team is far too big it's 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 far too wide I can see why Martinez isn't playing it would you play that ball to Mings knowing that he then has to play it to either Ramsey Dougie or McGinn based on how they started that game tonight I wouldn't be fucking risking that I would just be pinging it out over Matt Target's head give Newcastle the throw in <laughs> questions we can't answer but probably will Jolinton or Manzukic, who's the biggest crying cunt? 
it was strange that Jolington was whinging at all there because he was having the time of his life. <laughs> I know. Like, this is as good as it's going to get for you, pal. Enjoy tonight. The only way is down from here. That was probably the biggest Manzukic vibes because Manzukic generally plays well and often just ruins it because you spend so much time looking at him crying on the camera then, you know, about something that you know didn't really happen, like something mildly offensive to him. And he's there screaming at the ref and looking like he's been physically hurt. And get on with it, you're massive. Don't worry about it. It's like you're getting the better of the centre back. Just get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. Is Elmo more right footed than Bertie T is left footed? <laughs> Elmo played the worst cross of his career tonight, but I was so glad whenever he played it because he. The ball played to him was shite, and he got there too late, but he just tried to whip his foot around it and get it in. Yeah. And it was absolutely the right thing to do because every other time somebody in a wide position got the ball, they stopped it. All our forwards had made a run already, and they weren't making a fucking second one, not tonight anyway. <laughs> and then they were just tossing the ball into the box to the four or five Newcastle centre-halves and midfielders who had assembled in the box waiting for it. That doesn't answer your question, but it is a question we can't answer. <laughs> He's um, he is a victim of Bertie T as well. I know he wasn't on the pitch for long, but because like it, it, this is a fact that you can't overlap when you've got Bertie T because Christ knows what he's going to do. So the fullback never gets to to go past him. So what happens is the fullback is sort of up the pitch, not fully up the pitch. It's a nice, it's, it's actually where Elmo likes being for his crosses, but he's further in inside because of Bertie T's position and the ball gets played to Elmo's left foot as he's facing the rest of the pitch, like looking diagonally at the goals in the box. And even though it's played to his left foot, he shifts his body around to the other side of the ball <laughs> and tries to still swing it in with his right foot to that back post again and it's you know it's like he needs to have his shoulder right angles like right angles Elmo and he needs to have his his shoulder to the box they they all the play and then he's just going to play that same cross but as long as he can get it on his right foot that's all that's all that matters and like I've been Elmo's biggest fan especially over the last few years even as he's gotten older but uh, I think I think it's clear that he's you know he hasn't been bad since filling in but I, I don't think he's at that that level anymore. Yeah, no, he's not. I mean, we we've all played with players who run around the ball to get a, to get it away from their bad foot, but you know that hasn't been in the fucking Premier League, so it is a bit unforgivable yeah. that somebody who's played in the Premier League for ten years is still doing that. Practice on your left, Elmo, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Here. Oh, this is the third one. I don't know why I'm asking you so casually. <laughs> Here, where the have you? What what do you do about VAR? Because I bet you didn't celebrate that goal either. And you know, I'm not saying like I'm not I'm not a conspiracy theorist, I'm not against technology. But there is something that needs to be done. Watkins didn't celebrate it at all. Because he's just waiting. Like you all you're you're sort of happy to wait for a minute now to see what happens, and that's that's not great. Like we can't be having that. We need to have something where the, when the ball goes in we know what's the goal and we can all relax. 
you need to get your fucking head in order, mate. This is still football. Whenever that ball went flying in off Kieran Clark's shin, I was jumping up and down. I couldn't have been fucking happier. Also, I understand the rules of football. There was nothing there that had me on red alert. I didn't think there was any problem with that goal at all. The only thing I thought was bad about it was the cross and the finish. <laughs> well, thanks for shitting all over my question. Last one. Why has John McGinn decided that the only way to score a goal is by hitting the ball as hard as he possibly can? Such a strange decision from him. But why has John McGinn decided that he can score a goal anymore? Because he fucking can't. Stop shooting, John! But he he can't because he's decided this a long time ago. He's decided that that he needs to fucking leather this all the time. (laughs) And hopefully it'll fly in. But he's taken all his control out of it. But it's like, um, remember those old golf games and when you're powering up like the more you power up then it's it's harder to get the accuracy old golf games that, that that's the same for penalties in fifa now at the minute so if you hit the ball harder then it's obviously harder to hit a a precise spot then with your accuracy like that's what he does he is taking it right up to the red zone every time and he now has no control over where he can put the ball and what what happens it's, it's one of two things it either goes straight at the goalkeeper and sometimes it bounces off his chest and the keeper gallows it anyway, but the best you're hoping for is Watkins coming in or he just balloons it high, high and high. Yeah, it's a fucking nightmare. Not sure if he needed an analogy. I mean, if you try to hit the ball harder, it's harder to control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's... it's um. A bad habit, like you know, just just pick your spot. Try that once at least. Like he doesn't need to have these big wind up shots. It's not working. It's obviously not working. When was the last time again scored? I was actually wondering that tonight with that one spank that he he did hit incredibly hard and admirably got it on target. As soon as that shot went in, I was like, "Has McKinn scored in the last year? I don't know if he has. I know he missed a chunk of football, but." It's been a long time, and you're right. Just try something else, John. Variety's the spice of life. You never know. You might like it. Just try to bend one under the top corner there. It might feel good. Like, he's got one goal this season, you know, for somebody who we all thought was a a threat from midfield. Now, I know he's hamstrung a little bit by... For a lot of time, he's been playing as a, as a two in the middle, as a holder. But, like, that... We expect more from McGinn. Like, you know, we expect seven, eight goals. It's a big ask, but that's that's the sort of player that everyone has hasn't pegged for. He's got one in twenty five matches. Like, it's we need more. We obviously need more. We're shite. Yeah, and he's. <laughs> we need a lot more than just goals from John McGinn. <laughs> We need a break. Thankfully, we're getting. We've got nine days of a break now until Spurs. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, Dean Smith has said that he hopes Jack Grealish is back for the next match. <laughs> he fucking hasn't, has he? <laughs> so who knows? Maybe he will be. Maybe if he is, he'll be on the bench watching everybody else play. Um, but yeah, another bad, another bad night. Seems to be the norm now. Thanks for all the feedback again. And if you do want to get in touch, just give us a shout on Twitter, the Villa Podcast, or get us on the old email machine. 
that is twice now that I've said the old email machine. And I was, I, I, I really, really bit my tongue last week whenever you said it. <laughs> I've never said that in my life. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> said it twice now in this podcast. Get us on the old email machine, thevillapodcast at gmail.com. And thanks again for all your, all your support and kind words. It does mean a lot. So um, hopefully you can have a, a nice week. At least, at least now this match is over with and we don't have to worry. We can just enjoy football for the rest of the weekend without Villa fucking stinking the place up. <laughs> oh, Christ. And on that note, we'll see you later. Thanks for listening. All the best. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.